Welcome to the Cashflow Canucks podcast, where Canadian entrepreneurs and investors come to learn about wealth creation. Experts in their fields will join your host, Peter Lount, to share their successes, challenges, and discuss opportunities. Please join me and my guest, Vince Fowler, as we talk about psychological immunity. Vince is a former paratrooper and salesman who's now a business coach. He shares how his experiences gave him resilience and taught him how to live life. Vince also gets into how different each person's problems could be solved because of various personal circumstances. Please enjoy and welcome. All right, today on Cashflow Connects, we have Vince Fowler. Vince, welcome. Thank you very much, sir. Pleasure to be here, Peter. Yeah. Uh, Vince, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, I, you know, real fast, I grew up uh, raised by a mother and grandmother and aunt. My mom married when I was 11. Um, up until then, I got, I, we moved, I don't know how many times in the same town, but I went, by the time I was in grade six, I'd been to eight different schools. So got picked on a lot, thought, hey, uh, I'm going to be a paratrooper. I don't know. There was a class presentation and ended up joining the military, went infantry, PPCLI, went airborne. Uh, two years later, the Canadian Airborne Regiment, spent seven years totally in the military and all of that to ultimately, you know, I, I've often said in the past, I, I wanted to pick fights with bullies, but because um, getting picked on as a kid sucks. Watching someone else getting picked on sucks more because I had no capacity to help or protect or serve or what. So, but um, so I thought I was joining the military to to pick fight with bullies, but really I wanted to feel safe. And I, I believed if I was a paratrooper, then I would feel safe. So uh, after the military, I went into sales. I spent the next nine years, all different aspects of selling from initially photocopiers and fax machines. So the sales cycle might be a week, two weeks to law enforcement equipment. That sales cycle goes out to two years. In some cases, it could be two minutes or two years then to uh, health club memberships, to mascots. So the, you know, a lot of the mascots we see in professional sports, uh, collegiate athletics are all made right here in Calgary. And uh, if sport, if business and selling was a, a relationship, we had a bitter divorce. I went into private school athletics. I basically worked, I worked at a place called Ed School for Athletes in Calgary. And it's like Hogwarts for athletes. It's an incredible place. And I was brought on as a strength and conditioning coach. And I worked a lot alongside uh, our whole athletic department, including our sports psychologist. That's where I really started to recognize how does psychology play a role in our athletic performance. But I was, I was making the leap to business and parenting and relationships as well. In 2009, uh, my contract was not renewed. Many contracts were not renewed. And it was the, you know, the, the economy had tanked. Private school education was still $30,000, including a bond. So uh, I was let go. And I took that pretty hard. I spent the next 16 months unemployed. And my wife was sending me one job opportunity after another. And I said, I don't want a job. I want a life. And there's a difference. And I landed, uh, ultimately, I landed a business at a business coaching firm in Calgary. These guys were coaching all sorts of different businesses in Calgary and different shapes and sizes, different industries. And eight months into that, I got my certification through that, through that body, went down to Las Vegas, came out of that 
and I've been coaching ever since. So that's two, that's 2011. In 2012, I I left the firm, started my own independent practice, and I've been on my, I've been not alone, but I've been self-employed ever since. There, um, and I would say that my military background, I played rugby for many years, 21 years parallel to all this, including uh, played for Calgary in the Rugby Canada Super League. So played against athletes who played professional, who, who did go to the World Cup. And again, back to that, that introduction to Matt Brown, our sports psychologist at Edge School, I learned that while strategy is really important, so is our psychological health. So is the, so is the psychology of the athlete, the psychology of the business owner, the psychology of the parent or the husband or the wife, where, where it plays a role. And I've, been, I've never looked back. I've been really, I've been focusing both on the strategy of a successful business as well as the psychological immunity of the business owner. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's a, that's a really good overview and so many areas we can dive into. The last part you mentioned psychological immunity. Can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, we, we have babies. I don't, you didn't, but our, our, our wives, you know, they, they had babies and we get them, we get them immunized and for all the right reasons, right? And the same goes for a business owner. Our, our psychological immunity determines whether we are going to struggle a lot or struggle a little as we go through challenge. All human beings suffer. The question is, how do we suffer less? And that has everything to do with psychology as much as it might have to do with the strategy of you know, a business starting up and gaining scale and, and entering the marketplace. If the psychology of the athlete is in the toilet, the athlete will not perform at their best. We all have seen that. We've seen goalies be pulled because they got three quick goals and they just, they just melted in front of the, all their fans. It's the same thing in business. They go through a challenge. The difference is the athlete fails in front of a million people. Like there's 30,000 people in the stands. There's millions of people watching. Uh, and whereas in business, we fail in private quite often. We get a phone call, a text, an email. I don't want to do business with you. I'm canceling our, our order. Um, so how do we navigate those disruptions? And there, it's mental as much as it is strategic. It, um, so you, I want to go back to areas that others that maybe relate to this team, military. How important is that? been in terms of you being able to adapt to change massive i always say that's where i got my mba a master's in um bravery and courage and attitude um when we get deployed so i I have one deployment we went to somalia and we went there we went there without a, a a redeployment date so we arrived december just before Christmas, uh, 1992, and no redeployment date. So people being deployed today, they, they already know when they're coming home. They might not know the exact day and time, but they know that first week of June, second week of June, they're coming home. We had no idea. We went there with no maps. And the maps that we did have, they weren't military maps. They were civilian maps from the map store. Um, so that's really frustrating to navigate the local population, the local area of operation without any without a legitimate topographical map. Um, we, as Canadians, our American counterparts, every single American 
had a communication set, three, four pound communication set, lithium battery, battery lasts in the heat. I don't know, let's say four or five days. I don't really remember, but it was, we would go through two batteries a day. So the, our radio set, remember theirs is everyone's got one and it weighs three, four pounds for us in a platoon of 30, you know, three subunits in a platoon and a, and a weapons debt. Each, each subunit has one radio and it's 25 pounds, including the battery. The spare battery is another five pounds. So you're, we've got one hand, we've got one communication set that rolls in at 30 pounds per day, not including extras. So that sucks. And battery, you know, radios don't work. Well, you've only got one. And if you're operating as a platoon, you only got four. So whereas the Americans, everyone's got one. So we, there, were, there was an absence of resources. How do you maintain your own psychological immunity in that experience if, if um, the mental fitness isn't as strong as the physical fitness? The mental fitness isn't as strong as the battle plan, the mission plan to do the job. People become psychological casualties and have to be redeployed back to Canada because they, fit, they just psychologically cannot handle the deployment. And that's... Oh, that's same in sport. Go to a championship game, people melt under pressure. So that's why we have extra athletes on the roster. Um, goalie folds under three quick goals or whatever it is. Batter continues to strike out and just can't find their mojo back. We've heard that lots before. Lost my mojo. That affects their performance. And there's you know, the same degree of challenge exists in business. Only the difference is, let's say football, it's Monday night football, right? You play once a week, you play on Monday or you play on Sunday. Business is open 24-7. Hours of operation might be nine to five, Monday to Friday, but the business owner is 24-7. So it's always on their mind. And so when do you have a rest? In athletics, we have work-rest ratios. You know, Usain Bolt isn't just going to rip off a bunch of sprints for an hour and, and say the training's done work hard, designated rest, work hard again. So same in business. Where's the work? Where's the rest? And where's the teammates to rely on in business that they would naturally innately have in sport or in military? Teammates are built in innately, uh, teenage, not innately, sorry. Teammates are automatically built into the military and athletics. Not, not so in business, especially if one's a solopreneur, they're out there doing their thing. So they have to recruit their own their own teammates, their own strategic alliances, their own advisory board. They've got to recruit all of this to maintain, help them maintain their own psychological immunity on top of eat right, sleep right, drink right, rest, relax, you know, preventative healthcare strategies, stuff like that. I guess long gone are the days of like the 60, 70 hour work weeks, right? Well, they exist, but they're unsus- I would argue they're, un- they're unsustainable, you know? Again, let's use Usain Bolt. The guy's the what you know, was for the for four Olympics. He was the fastest man on the planet. He doesn't sprint everywhere he goes. Right? He, he could never sustain that kind of speed every day, all day. It's impossible. Same thing in business. What what's the pace you can sustain for a predetermined time? Respect that. Also respect the need for rest, physical rest, psychological rest. Um, you know, conflict, conflict is great. We got to have healthy conflict in business. Got to, uh, cause things don't always go as planned to communicate 
really well in conflict requires, again, some additional psychological immunity to recognize that your frustration doesn't mean there's that I'm a bad person. You're just frustrated with my service. So how do you communicate that so that we can continue to do business and, and get the job done? Yeah, inevitably, there's always going to be some type of challenge and it's how you adapt to it or how much experience you've had through it. We talked about in kind of the pre-talk about your experience in the military. We talked about astronauts as well in terms of all that work that they've done to be ready yeah. for the inevitable change that's coming. I worked with a, worked with a landscaper for a few years. And one of the things we realized as we were going, kind of lifting up the hood and looking into everything was that car accidents are, they exist. What we didn't have in the vehicle is what happens if there's a car accident. So we're not going to go look for one, but what happens when there is one? And in the military, we have protocols to follow when there's an injury. In athletics, we have a team trainer and they have their protocols to follow. Uh, let's say that, you know, I go down and, and you look at me and you think, whoa, Vince, and you call over the trainer. And the trainer comes over and says, I, th I think Vince has a concussion. There's a protocol to A, take me off, when I can come back into the game, if at all, and a protocol to, to treatment. Well, what's the protocol when, when this landscaper's vehicle should be in an accident? And are we going to rely on a person who's now jacked up on stress and frustration to kind of follow the protocols? Or are we going to have a little playbook in the glove box that says, if there's an accident and everyone's safe, do this. If there's an accident and someone is injured, but it's not crazy, uh, that's not the best descriptor, but um, no medical assistance required, what's the next step? If there's an accident and there's someone is injured and medical assistance is required, what's the next step? And, you know, all along with, you know, trade your information and driver's license insurance and call the police and all these 911 things. But when someone's under stress, someone's under duress, how do we expect them to, to just have all that stuff in our head? We can't, we need, we need help along the way. We need systems and processes in place so that we can function really well under stress. When we're not stressed, it's easy to function well. So Again, back to that psychological immunity, we can protect our psychology by having systems and processes in place. And they don't have to be complicated. They just have to be there. So is that what you specifically, can you talk about how you work with business owners as a coach? How do you integrate this into, into their system? For sure. Early, early days, it was really all about the whole strategy. Let's look at all your internal documentation. Let's look at your... You know, your administrative, your finance, your recruiting, hiring, training, onboarding, offboarding. Uh, let's look at sales and marketing and, and uh, operations. So it was very much like an MD, right? You go to your doctor and they kind of look you over th through all these different spots. But what I started to see was failure to execute in a number of different areas. You know, fail to fire someone who was toxic on a team, fail to hire for fear of some unknown reasons, a fail to, you know, a failure to increase prices or a failure to bring on a new product or, re, you know, remove a product or whatever, because there's this narrative that if, if I do this, then negative outcome. And so I would always review the strategy. I mean, if you're not executing, clearly this is a, a, a reason that you don't understand the strategy, but when six months go by and you still haven't fired the toxic teammate or the toxic customer 
or you haven't raised your prices, even though the math made sense, it's no longer a strategy problem. It's a behavioral problem. It's a psychological problem. So I got very curious, very interested. And it was about, I'm just looking at my library. Uh, it was probably maybe now it's about seven years ago, six years ago. I had read, I had read a book, how the brain changes itself. It's all around uh, neurology and neuroscience. Every chapter was a case study that talked about how the brain changes itself. The brain loves to learn. And that was sort of the opening of Pandora's box to, to, uh, to psychology. So I'm not a psychologist. I did go and do a certificate in applied positive psychology, a curriculum delivered and facilitated by the Canadian Positive Psychology Association. Curriculum's all out of the United States, but delivered and facilitated by a Canadian psychologist. Um, just became deeply, deeply curious about human behavior. Because in the military, for example, there's a guy's name's John, real name John. Um, and John and I are gonna go on our uh, airborne course, become paratroopers, but there's a, a pre-course. Well, John, the job is you hike up this ladder, it's a 33 foot platform, you go up this ladder and on the top, we're gonna rappel down the other side. John looks at that ladder and he just, he freezes. He's just looking up and he just, he's shaking and he, he doesn't move. Guess what? That's John knows how a ladder works, right? Hand rung, hand rung, hand rung, but he froze. That is not a strategy problem. That's a psychological, that's a, his psychologically immunity. It was just not there. John does not go on to the school. He does not get, doesn't go to airborne training. He doesn't go to the airborne regiment. I did because I was able to work through my own fear of heights. Um, so this, so the, so as I would progress, I started getting curious about these failures to execute. And, and that's where I started to find a lot of success. Um, I don't want to be a counselor. I'm not a counselor. I don't, want, I don't want to be a counselor. But I can tell when someone has a story in their head from somewhere in the past that has nothing to do with the present. And it's getting in their way of performance. I saw it in the military, I saw it in athletics, and I see it every day in business. So that's where I've really spent the variety of my work. I think once we understand a particular strategy, like you know if you press the gas pedal, the car goes forward, right? Or the, the pedal, whether it's electric or gas, you know the car will go forward. You know this other pedal, you hit that, gentle, you slow down, hard, you'll hard fast. So you understand how the strategy works, right? So why do people rear end people all the time? Why does that happen? We're not paying attention. <laughs> not paying attention. Are we getting distracted? And that distracted. happens in business all the time, right? Yeah. People are, there's fatal distractions all over the place in business. Um, there's, we're chasing too many opportunities or, uh, you know, failure to keep our eyes on the mission at hand. Whatever it is, these are all, these are all ways that, that interfere with our psychological immunity. Um, take your, what's your favorite sport, Peter? Hockey. Hockey. Uh, what's your favorite team? The Leafs. Okay, so who's a marquee player on the Leafs? Who would be considered a franchise face of the- uh, Austin of Matthews. The, Austin Matthews. So Austin Matthews, he's out there, he's skating. And let's say um, it's, uh, it's, um, he gets tripped on a breakaway and now there's a penalty shot, right? And it's Leafs playing in Calgary. And Calgary's going some, something, I don't know. Like they're just booing and booing and booing and booing. He's got to, he has to make a choice. He can either focus on the task at hand or he can listen to all the boos in the stadium 
and allow that to distract him and then waffle on the shot and, and, and um, not take advantage of an opportunity. We see the same thing in business all the time where people get distracted. Uh, Facebook is a perfect place for a dumpster fire, right? Pick a problem, pick COVID, firearms, um, you know, taxation, whatever it is. And the entrepreneur gets caught up in this when they should be doing what? Probably not that. So how do we build resiliency? How do we, how do we stay the course? How do we maintain that discipline to stay on task, not get distracted by things that, that are so ridiculously far outside their control? And as a, like you and me, we, our own ego, is, it, it blinds us. So this extra person outside of us that can see our blind spots, um, that's the work. That's where I do my best work. That's where I'm like, hey, here's this. Um, so real story, a client yesterday lets me know after six months, a particular deal worth, um, worth $400 million a year. He finally got the thumbs up. There's, they've signed it. Everyone's agreed. All the terms are agreed. It took, it took more than six months, but we've been really focusing on this for the last six months. And all of it was how to avoid getting caught up in the uncertainty of will they sign? Will they not sign for how long? And that's that outside eyes maintain that, that neutral thinking, maintain that psychological immunity, be present with his family, be present with his team, recognize that people buy for their reasons, not yours. So, you know, to say, have you ever heard someone say, you know, um, Hey Bob, did you get the deal? And Bob says, customer had a decision-making disorder. And I think, so the customer didn't buy you because they have a decision-making disorder. Hmm, interesting. How do we rewrite that story so that the real reason is uh, either A, we didn't provide the value or B, Bob's not ready to sign the customer rather. So that's the work I do is helping these people. And because I understand the mechanics of the business, the, um, it makes it very easy for me to connect behavior to the income statement, which is where all the results live. Profit is a result, not a, not a reason why to do something. It's the result of, so we can look at the income statement. We can look at the numbers, look at all the data, and then we can check behavior and see where people, you know, how that all rolls out. And that, so it, I mean, in the last 10 years, that sounds like that messaging has really evolved from really more tactical to very, um, focusing more on mindset, but I guess you get to pretty micro or technical things within the mindset that you work with people on. We can talk big picture mindset. Um, mindset gets a bad, bad reputation. I think, you know, especially in the self-help industry is self, uh, self-help is often called shelf help. And I understand why. Um, but I, I would say this while positive thinking doesn't always work, negative thinking always does. And it works negatively. So, Mindset, how, when, when an athlete makes a mistake, when, when um, a person in the military makes a mistake, how do they get back, you know, the cliche, the, how do they get back on the proverbial horse and get back in the game? Same thing with the business. You, you know, the person loses the deal. They lose a long time, 30 year customer and all that revenue is projected and now it's gone. How do they stay neutral? The past is real, the past happened. How do you stay neutral and continue to focus on the next 
the next behavior versus getting caught up in the outcome, which are, is often so far out of your control. It's, it's not, it's actually, it's counterintuitive to focus on the outcome that, so, um, so I do, I really, we get deep, we get deep on the mindset because everyone's mind is differently. What, you know, what scares you might not scare me and what scares me might not scare you. Uh, so it's obviously very personalized and, and, it, and some things are, um, at a, a much higher you know, 50,000 foot conversation about mindset might look like this, but for you, the individual, we're going to get, we're going to look into the inner workings of how you deal with stress, how you deal with threat, how you deal with, um, uncertainty, right? Cause nobody, nobody doesn't matter who you are knowing nobody likes uncertainty. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Your shirt. Talk to me about that. Maybe this is what we've been talking about really. In yeah. General, right. So embrace the suck. Um, suck is real. Suck is anything that's uncomfortable. Suck is anything that's frustrating and annoying. However, suck is everything that exists between here and where we want to go. And I often use Mount Everest as an example. I have a friend who, uh, who went to climb Mount Everest. And so to prepare for that, he's got to, you know, say yes to something by default, you're going to say no to something else. Captain obvious. Um, so what is it? What are we going to say yes to? What are we going to say no to? That's a discipline. The next thing is for Everest specifically, we're going to have to face extreme weather. So frostbite's a real thing. Um, um, equipment, our mountain stoves working or not working, and how do we change uh, a broken? How do we change a broken mechanism on a mountain stove so that we can melt ice and drink water and stay hydrated? Because we're not carrying water to the summit of Everest, are we? Uh, the threats of environmental threats, like being, you know, heavy winds and snowstorms and whiteouts. How does this affect our navigation if we haven't actually made it to our location yet? So, yet that not all those realities don't stop people from, from making an effort at Everest, right? And if we look at business, there's all these realities and there's a bunch of bullshit, pardon me, but there's a lot of bullshit myths out there that, you know, 80% of business fail in the first year. Well, where's the statistics to actually prove that? Some businesses, are the, the, the failure rate's actually much higher. In other industries, the, they're, 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 it's a license to print money. There is no failure rate of, of really. So, but there's, there's certainly going to be challenges in business in scaling and growing and lessons learned. So if you're not prepared to get beat up a little bit, you know, emotionally, metaphorically, then, then don't do it because it's, it's there. So embrace the suck is to say, suck is what's here between here and progress. It's not about shaming. It's not about judgment. It's not about, Hey, suck it up, buttercup. You know, you chose this, get at it. It's more of recognize that in the moment of suck, that's where innovation is. That's where creativity is. That's where camaraderie is. Think about, uh, um, you ever go through a challenge in your life with, and you had some buddies along the way that went through the exact same challenge at the same time. Yeah, for sure. So, what does that do to your relationship with those people that experience the same challenge with you? I think it brings you closer together. For sure. Shared pain um, is incredibly powerful. I'm still really, really good friends with the guys I was in Somalia with. I'm still really good friends with the guys that I played rugby with in our lowest seasons and in our best seasons where we had championships. Um, we still remain friends today because we all suffered together. So shared suffering is a strength shared suffering is a is an asset 
So let's not, let's not avoid it because to avoid the suck is to avoid the goal altogether. So you may as well embrace it or don't play. Right. And so, yeah, you're basically saying dig in, dig deeper. And, um, you know, how about now, like what we're dealing with in the world today at this moment, you know, how are you, how are you coaching your clients? Fast answer is everybody's different. Everyone's handling the challenge differently. For some, they've had to close their business to stay alive. And one of my clients reopened um, Monday, a, a healthcare clinic. So chiropractic, massage. But here's one of the challenges is that acupuncture in Alberta is not approved in phase one. So um, neither is massage, but chiropractic is. Now, if you're coming in, a lot of their patients are multi, multi-service patients. So they would come in, they might do a chiropractic session and they'll do a massage. So they can only half serve the customer. So the owner, very proactive. Yes, this sucks. So what do you do? You become proactive, get a petition, get it all signed up. She needs 10,000 to get the MLAs to pay attention. And hopefully we can get acupuncture rolled in right away instead of waiting for phase two. Um, interestingly though, a chiropractor who is certified in needling, which is another word for for acupuncture is part of phase one. So a chiropractor could demonstrate needling on a, could provide a needling service. Um, but the acupuncture couldn't and the acupuncture went for a four year, a four year certification. So, um, so how do we navigate the perceived unfairness of political protocols? Uh, whereas an IT company They've been in business. They've actually had to, they've in some cases have to expand because all these people in the workforce went home. Now we have all these IT requirements in people's homes. Uh, so everyone's different. The common thread between everybody is everyone is faced with uncertainty. Everyone's faced with self-doubt. Uh, and that's in part because and one of my favorite authors is Simon Sinek. He says, these are not unprecedented times, blah, blah, blah. And he quotes these, he quotes Kodak and the, and the digital camera. He quotes Blockbuster and Netflix. And he says, this is reason why this is not unprecedented times. These are just challenges. I would say this is unprecedented time. Nowhere in the history of human beings that are still alive today have we experienced a global challenge. Maybe the last one was World War II. So while there are a few people who experienced World War II, they're not a lot. Uh, they're not typically CEOs of businesses anymore. And so I think these are unprecedented times. These, this is an adaptive challenge versus a technical challenge, something we have to adapt to. And we've got to learn from the people on the front line. So that's, that's what is common amongst, amongst all my clients and the other people I know in business is it's different for everybody. I often say it's like a long red light. And wherever you were in the queue, is determined and how, how long you can stay at that red light. You know, most red lights last 60 seconds, maybe two minutes, right? This light has been, this red light's been two months. So how much gas is in the tank? Do you have to, does that motor have to stay running 24 seven or can you just turn it off and not worry about it? Um, and then where are you in the queue when the light turns green? Cause if, if you're at the front of the queue, as soon as the light green, you're back in business. Let's say a coffee shop. You need beans and water, coffee for everybody. But if you're a restaurant, maybe not. If you're a restaurant, you've got to, you and all the other restaurants in the city have got to call GFS or Cisco 
and start ordering your meat and your fresh produce. So when the light turns green for them, they have to react differently than say the cafe, than the airline, than the, you know, pick a business. So, so that's another thing is just how do we scenario this out? How do we practice what to do? Just like the car accident example earlier is what do we do if, so if this, then what? And so going to that specifically, I think a lot of what you talked about is like being ready for business opening up or the, you know, the next, the next phase, whatever it is, have any of your clients just looked at pivoting their business completely based on what things are going to look like after have they had to be pushed to those areas? Um, for sure. A very real example is, um, one particular uh, customer, one particular client has adopted, um, just trying to source, you know, process in my brain, not to, you know, client confidentiality as an example, but um, so let's say, so real example, a client works with all these people in the marketplace, never even would have considered these people for whatever reasons. And, but now has realized that that's a very, very real opportunity. Here's a, so that is example. Um, a lot, almost all the clients have experimented with now that when COVID, when this stay at home, work from home program ends, how many people do we actually need at the office? How many people want to be at the office? Who's productive? Who's really productive at home? So we've paid attention to all that stuff. So giving people the freedom to, you know, really at the end of the day, we want an outcome. We want a solution. We want a result. Well, does it really matter how, we provide the result to the customer as long as the customer is happy and they pay their bills and, and, and they, you know, they like us and they refer us. Does it really matter that our employee works from home or from Mexico for that matter? So, you know, rethinking the way we did business two months ago to today has changed a lot. Um, not my customer, but a, a very real example and very public Toolshed beer is the craft craft brewery in, uh, in Calgary. And so when COVID hit, all the restaurants and bars were closed. So he's lost the, the largest majority of his customer segment is gone. There's still liquor retail, but the consumption in a pub and bar is much, much higher, of course, than a liquor store. And, but his neighbor happens to be a company called spud.ca. Uh, if you want to order fresh vegetables, spud delivers. Okay. So spud sees an uptick in grocery delivery, right? But what they're absent of is they don't have the drivers, the vehicles, the warehouse space, or the refrigeration. Guess who does? A brewery. So the brewery has completely pivoted to um, A, making hand sanitizer along with beer, as well as providing all the manpower for their delivery that they can't do themselves, additional storage, additional cooler space, and both companies are now in business. So this idea of collaborating with strategic partners in the past, they might've never even considered, you know, a food. And now what they've done is they've provided um, mystery packs. So for, let's just say it's $50. You pay 50 bucks and you get a mystery box. But what you do know is everything in that mystery box is local, local produce, local meat, which one of my clients is, is one of the local meat solutions, local beer, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, um, so in, in that, just in those examples you gave, I heard, you know, 
companies are finding if maybe finding more efficiencies in their business that they didn't if they weren't pushed to this they wouldn't have found before um continuity um so less downtime should there be anything else coming down in the future they've got that way to uh, keep going strategic partners talk about collaboration and then also just opportunities they just didn't see that were there before we have uh there's history is filled with um, examples of undisguised you know, sort of accidental opportunities. Um, I know Steve Jobs early days really struggled with the coloring in the iMac in the body of the iMac because they came out with like, like aqua color and red color and all these other colors for their, for their computers. And it was a tour at, I, I don't think it was Jolly Rancher, but we'll use Jolly Rancher as an example. Jolly Rancher or Left Lifesavers or whoever it was, was had really great results in color consistency in their candy. And he thought, okay, plastic and candy, is it really that different? So he learned a lesson from a completely different industry. It was Henry Ford that learned about the, the um, deconstruction of, a, of animals, right? Pigs and cows or whatever, that made him think how to do a, an assembly line to construct a car. So completely outside of his own industry, there's, there's so many opportunities out there, but people, all of us, we kind of get blinded and we focus on, on a particular way of thinking and doing things. And what COVID has done is forced us to remove our blinders and, and, and look around in a much broader sense to see how do we do this different? And for, because we need to stay alive, our business is a living, breathing organization, organism. Let's not let's not be so um, certain that we can't learn from other, other completely different industries. And I hope that that lesson's not lost because there's no reason why we can't continue to do that. And again, I said that suck is the birthplace of innovation. If it, if suck hadn't showed up, if COVID hadn't showed up and Graham Sherman, the CEO of tool shed beer never would have considered a partnership with a spud and maybe he would, but it wouldn't have come last month. Um, the other client of mine who never even considered a particular industry that now does, it wouldn't have materialized had, had COVID not shown up when it did. So while COVID has some very nasty outcomes, it also comes with some incredible silver linings. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Vince, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you sharing your story, your journey. Um, with us today. Um, how can people get in touch with you and um, connect with you? Easiest way is vincefowler.ca. And from there, it'll point to uh, our coaching practice. It'll point to my TED talk. Um, it'll, you know, there's a contact. It's very minimalized contact form. Um, yeah, reach out. And I, you know, my core values are curiosity, connection, and courage. So it just happens to be C's. But the, the thing about is that I'm incredibly curious. I'll ask lots of questions and I value abundance, meaning to give knowledge without expectation. So if someone's got a little quick question, I know the answer, of course, I'm going to share it. Um, if someone's curious and they want to work with me, well, then that's, I always consider that like dating. Let's just date before we get married and, um, and check each other out. Uh, life is riddled with opportunity. And, and um, yeah, if I can help amplify that, then uh, whether we, chat once or chat a thousand times. I'm good. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Keep doing the good work. It's uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here with you. 
Thank you for taking time to listen to the Cash Flow Canucks podcast. You'll be able to find out more about our guests and how to connect with them in the show notes for this episode. Would you like to learn the secret way savvy investors and smart entrepreneurs are turning their expenses into positive cash flow? Then you want to read the Infinite Banking Concept book. For a limited time, I am giving away free copies of this book valued at $30. If you want a copy, just email me, Peter, with the subject line book to peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. Again, if you want a free copy of the Infinite Banking Concept book, just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca with the subject line book and your mailing address and I'll send you a copy. You'll finally understand how the wealthy elite is turning everyday expenses into cash flow. Just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca.